This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown! Terrence Williams! Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He played. He's the one! Puts he up the right sideline. Yeah, he's got to go. He's tackled Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Hello and welcome to the Republic of Football show that loves the idea of Robert Sarver no longer owning the Phoenix Suns. Get out of oh, from God. under my team, you Cretan. Let's go, baby. Woo! I'm having a great morning day. Jeez. The person laughing in the mic next to me is our college football insider, Mike Craven. Mike, how are you, man? Are they going to get rid of Devin Booker, too, or is that, is that not part of this deal? He's not the racist in this situation, so I don't want to hear it. So. Just the underachievement. Just the under. Hey, listen. Listen, I don't need this. All right, this is a great day for me. All right. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a parade rainer. Yeah, exactly. All right. So over there, turning the knobs, doing all this stuff, making that wonderful intro. <laughs> that she just had to remind us how great it was is, is our producer Mallory Hartley, everyone's favorite Mal pal. Hi, Mallory. Hello, everybody. Yeah, that is a good intro, isn't it? It's a good intro. Yeah, it's pretty good. The theme's also really good yeah, too. Good. Like the, the I, audio is great uh, too. You know, I think the visual is better <laughs> than the audio, but that's okay. podcast listeners. You know what I'm talking about. That audio is excellent. So okay, whatever. I got gotcha. you. All right. Anyway, that podcast that loves shooting. Their own horn, or whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> that loves getting themselves a pat on the back. Uh, nothing That's wrong with who that. we are. So I'll be the humble one for us. <laughs> I of course, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay, that evens it out a bit. Yeah, there you go. I of course am your resident Phoenix Suns fan, and very much nobody cares. Very happy today. Nobody cares. Very happy. I'm having a great morning. I just, I just, I woke up, got a nitro cold brew from Starbucks. I was amped. Went to go pick up the Miseducation of Lauren Hill on vinyl. Because the, the record store had it for me. <laughs> Finally got around to that one, huh? I know, right? Yeah, I know. New release, right? Uh, this undiscovered artist named Lauren Hill. Um, but then I get in my car, and I check my phone, Safe. and I see the news. Robert Sarver's forced to sell, or he's deciding, quote-unquote, deciding to sell the Phoenix Suns. So we're going to give you an hour breakdown on his oh my terrible God. ownership today. All right, I'm turning your mic <laughs> off right now. I'm turning your camera off, too. So, in Craven, the- you, you want to switch with this right now? <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, oh. no. We're not doing so, that. So, Craven, who would you bet to own? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we will review Craven's the face. week. <laughs> we have no more listeners. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we have any. <laughs> oh, so we will be talking, of course, about the weekend ahead in college football. Have a few headlines, but, of course, you guys are here for the preview. You guys are here for our picks. Which games we think are going to be pretty damn good ones. We had a lot of results last week, so we have kind of a consequential weekend, if I am uh, if I have to say so myself, up ahead. So we'll give you all of that goodness, and then, of course, our lightning round, where we run through the other games happening that, you know, we probably uh, don't really want to talk about. But we're kind of <laughs> obligated to, as the, as the show that talks about all FBS schools in the state of Texas. Quick plug, by the way, for the Small College uh, podcast with Craven and Corey mm-hmm. Hogue. That dropped. So if you guys are tired of us just talking about the 12 FBS schools, well, there you go. 
We got mm. a couple. We got we got your nerd out right there. We got the yeah. sub FBS, and they go really in depth. It's a big on that. week too. Harden Sims, Mary Harden Baylor this week. So mm-hmm. it's it's, uh, it's an exciting week for us. I believe Mary Harden Baylor, small college dorks. Mary Harden mm-hmm. Baylor coming off a loss, I believe. They lost in week two to Dude, Whitewater, they, right? Yep, yep. yep. So and that's the same Whitewater team that Harden Simmons blew out. Right. So this could be the year for Harden Simmons. Hopefully, we'll see. I like some parody going on down there. But first, we do have headlines, of course. Unfortunately. The only real big headline is kind of a downer. Texas Tech linebacker Bryce Ramirez has a second surgery. I believe it was announced uh, Monday, I believe. Um, He had a broken leg, and he will remain in the hospital a couple days after he suffered the injury. Um, As you remember, the game kind of shut down, came to a halt. A lot of people were tweeting about it um, this past weekend against NC State. Um, he is expected to return to the campus. Uh, he was he stayed in Raleigh and he got surgery there, and he's expected to return to Lubbock. Um, of course, this now kind of puts him on the road to recovery. Obviously, his season's done. He has to be you know rehab, all that stuff. Craven, um, you know what does this kind of do for the Tech defense? And you know it was such a you know it was supposed to be such a momentous occasion in that you know that that opportunity to be on the road at a, at a, a ranked team. You know, just kind of a lot of gas just kind of went out in the building. Anytime an injury like that happens where the game kind of shuts down, it's pretty gruesome to watch, obviously. And it, you kind of have to psych yourself back into the game. Um, I don't want to blame that for the loss, but I know that Tech as a team just wasn't the same after that. And no team is after you see something like that happen to your teammate. Yeah, it was a pretty horrific scene. You know, they had yeah. to bring yeah. a towel out there to put over his leg. Right. You know, they didn't show the replay of the injury on ESPN's uh, broadcast, which, as we know, ESPN will sh- they'll show an injury. I was about to say they'll that. go crazy. Uh, yeah, so it had to want. be pretty bad for them to pull that. I don't know how much of an impact this is for Texas Tech defense. Obviously, you're, you're losing a guy who's rotational. He has four tackles on the season, so this isn't a starter. This isn't sure. like your front-line guy. Sure. Uh, but when you're going to go play against a Texas team that put 70 points on you last year and who's had a lot of success running the football, their best two players offensively are Bajon Robinson Rashawn Johnson, you need all your linebackers. You need yeah. all your front seven guys. So uh, a Texas Tech team that isn't over – they don't have a ton of depth anyway, so losing a guy like that isn't going to help at all. Uh, but for us, it's just I hope he's okay. Sure, 100%. You, know, you have two surgeries like that back-to-back. Um, you, you, you have to stay in Raleigh. That means you can't handle the pressure, the air pressure of flying in mm-hmm. your leg. And so it's just a, a scary thing. And so for him to, to be on the right track, for him to have a couple successful surgeries, and for him to be heading back to Lubbock, hopefully by the end of the week, is just good news for us. Yeah, and it's one of those guys that – you know, like you mentioned, he's not he's not necessarily an all-conference player, but he was one of the guys that I think got awarded a scholarship over the offseason. So it was like you can tell that he was one of those guys that the teammates love being around, that the coaching staff grew to adore, things like that. So seeing that happen to him is definitely something that, again, it, it just kind of takes – you're in game mode. You're, like, really focused on beating the other team, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're like – is Bryce friend. okay? Right. Is Bryce right. okay? Right. It was one of those injuries that just took your breath away yeah. by seeing it just because it was so gruesome. Like Craven it's mentioned, like bro- TV broadcasts aren't afraid of showing injuries, right? right They'll right. show like an ACL or whatever. It doesn't matter. But like the fact that they were like, nope, we're done. Yeah. Like it's like that. that's enough. It I think bad. his bone came yeah. out of his leg. Right. I was it about did. to say, I think it was. It yeah. And so yeah. it's like one of those visuals where you're just like, yeah, we're not like. We're not going to show that. You, that's, that tra- traumatizes people too. Like as a, as a teammate, you seeing that happen. You're just like, oh my God, you know. Right. So, uh, definitely best wishes are with him and his road to recovery. Uh, one last bit of semi-headlines. I mean, I don't know. It's not really a headline. The game's happening. Skillet's on this weekend. <laughs> TCU at SMU. By the way, sold out Ford. Um, which, by the way, I learned a couple years ago that 
Gerald Ford Stadium's not that Gerald Ford. Right. <laughs> I did not know that until like I think four years ago. Because I was like, yeah, I was like, oh look, Gerald Ford, and I was like, not that one. I was like, what? <laughs> there's, there's another <laughs> one. Anyway, um, regardless, Craven has a story because if you haven't heard, Sonny Dykes used to coach at SMU, <laughs> and he if you hired. You didn't know that. <laughs> he hired Red Lashley, who now coaches at SMU. So naturally. They know each other. <laughs> and obviously with rivals, uh, Sunny Dykes going to their rival in TCU, Craven, it was a great time for you to write a feature on kind of their connection and how Rhett Lashley got to SMU. And just talk a little bit about it. It's up on textfootball.com. I love the lead-in where they met at a recruiting trip yep. and just happened to like – that was just like the first time they stayed connected. And then all of a sudden, some years later, boom. <laughs> you know, college football, it's like any other industry. It's who you know sure. more than what you know. They, they shared agents, mm-hmm. so that, that helped them early on in their career. But, yeah, they were just at a high school game in 2015 on the sideline recruiting the same quarterback. Rhett Lashley grew up in northwest Arkansas, so Spike Dykes was a name he knew just mm-hmm. from the Southwest Conference and following uh, Arkansas football as they played Texas Tech. So, apparently, they just kind of talked on the sideline a little bit, no different than, you know, probably happens dozens of times each football season where you run into to opposing coaches at that time. Rhett Lashley was the offensive coordinator at Auburn, yeah. and Sonny Dykes was the head coach at Cal. Sonny Dykes leaves Cal, gets fired from Cal as an, an analyst for a year at, at TCU, and then lands at SMU, and he calls up Rhett Lashley, who had gone and become the offensive coordinator at UConn. According to Rhett, the reason is, is because Sonny Dykes saw the passing game that he was using, and it mm-hmm. was similar to what they were using in the air raid. But Sonny at Cal had figured out, we're going to have to run the football to win football games. We can't do this 60 passing times a, a game type situation. So right. Sonny jokes that he got kicked out of the air raid after that decision, uh, but it brought in Rhett Lashley because Rhett Lashley had the passing air raid type you know, scheme, but he also had been with Gus Malzahn and really run the football a lot, and he wanted to, to kind of ingratiate that into SMU. You know, the first year is not as great as they want it to be, but the second year they go, you know, they win 10 games. It's their best year since the death penalty, and, and Rhett goes on to Miami. But the last couple weeks of the season last year with Texas Tech and TCU open, everybody knew Sonny Dykes was going somewhere. Some One of those jobs, yeah. And what was interesting to me is that Sonny reached out to Rhett. Interesting. And yeah. was like, hey, if I leave here, would you want this job? Hmm. And so Sonny basically got Rhett the head coaching job again at SMU, right? Yeah. He brought him in there originally and then reached out back out. And you, if you talk to the SMU athletic director, Rick Hart, they considered Rhett Lashley the in-house hire, even hmm. though he was at Miami for a year. Right. And so that familiarity, I, I just find it to be interesting. It's interesting that a former head coach leaves for its rival. It's interesting that that rival is 30 minutes away. Yeah. It's interesting that that rival is in the same Metroplex. And it's very interesting that now the head coach you're coaching against is one of your good friends. Yeah. And so just a lot of layers to this game, a lot of narratives to this game. But as Rhett said, as soon as kickoff happens, it's Dallas versus Fort Worth. It's SMU versus TCU. It's not about Rhett or Sonny. But it is a fun narrative leading into the game. And it's one of the main reasons why this game is sold out. Yeah, 100%. Uh, We'll talk about this game when we get to our games. But one of the things that I do love about kind of both of their trajectories as coaches is neither of them were like – Couple, fast forward to Sun, when Sonny Dykes was hired, right? Neither of them were like the dynamite hire, right? Like Sonny Dykes was coming off a of Cal. It was like, man, can is he that great of a head coach right after Louisiana Tech? Can this offense kind of work? Rhett Lashley, look at his resume. It's not a stellar resume, right? Those Auburn teams, he was – some people wonder how much was him versus running Gus Malzahn's offense, right? Obviously, you take some concepts with you. But you look at his resume, and it's like, okay, he was, at, he was with him at uh, Arkansas State, of course, Auburn, and UConn. 
right? Now you're like, okay, well, that's a weird pit stop right there. Yeah. And he wanted to just strike out on his own. Right. He had been with Gus sure. every step of the way. Exactly. And so, like, and then that Yukon job happened. You're like, oh, that's a weird. St-. And of course, Yukon's kind of a hard job in general. And so, when, when uh, uh, Sonny Dykes hires him at SMU, it's like, oh, that's an interesting name, but not necessarily a dynamite. Right. Obviously, he turned into what he turned into, got the Miami job. And now he's obviously he's established his own identity as an offensive mind. So but Sonny Dykes, the same way it was, you know, SMU hires him. I was like, I guess that's a pretty good hire. Right. Cal flames out, whatever. But all of a sudden now it's like, okay, now he's able to get that TCU job and people kind of write that. Cal tenure, both parties kind of write that Cal tenure off as like, eh, both didn't work out for either of us. Right. So um, it is a kind of a fascinating career trajectory for both of those guys. And another interesting part of it is I've always wondered, like, what's it like being a play caller for a coach who was a play caller? Sure. Offensively yeah. or mm-hmm. defensively. Like, right. I'd imagine it's a pressure job to be the defensive coordinator at Alabama, mm-hmm. for example. Sure. Sonny Dykes is an offensive guy. He was an offensive play caller for most of his career. And so I asked Rhett, you know, was there any you know, hesitancy mm-hmm. to go be the offensive coordinator for a guy who was an offensive coordinator? And Rhett, Rhett, said, to, Rhett said to Sonny's credit, didn't come into an offensive meeting once to tell him to do something different. Hmm. Didn't take away play calling one time. You know, it wasn't like yeah. a – there wasn't a game where the series – it was getting really close and Sonny started calling plays or anything like that. He really let Rhett go do it himself. I think that – allowed that's Rhett cool. to grow mm-hmm. as a coach and I think that's why their relationship is so tight yeah so like I said we will talk more about that game uh spoilers it will be one of our three games to watch this weekend so we will get into that preview here in a bit but first a word from our sponsors at athletes to athletes every high school athlete wants to play on the big stage every parent wants their child to be the best but is making your target list of schools based on top 25 rankings really the best strategy what about academics Location, coaching style, financial aid. There are so many factors that should be considered when selecting a college program outside of on-field performance. Our friends at Athletes Athletes have put together a recruiting guide centered around providing a broader, more holistic perspective about what your college experience could be. Complete with checklists, do's and don'ts, key strategies, and much more, this 22-page guide covers everything you and your family should know as you walk through your college recruiting journey. For a limited time, Athletes to Athletes is offering this guide for free to our audience. Just go to athletes2athletes.com forward slash Dave Campbell today to download the free college recruiting guide. That's athletes, T-O, athletes.com forward slash Dave Campbell. All right, Mal Pal, Mallory Hartley, let's get into our games. What are you smirking for? Um, <laughs> Mal Pal, Mallory Hartley. Yeah, oh, that's, your, that's your name. That's your official name. It says <laughs> it on your birth certificate. Um, You're right. Yeah, know. <laughs> let's get into our games of the week. What do we have? Let's go with, is this your game of the week? Yes, it this is. This first one? All right, let's start off in Arlington, Texas. Ish's game of the week. Texas A&M taken on Arkansas this Saturday at 6 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN. Uh, Texas A&M favored by only one and a half, the over-under at 48. If anybody says they're confident in what's going to happen in this game, you're lying. Like, especially after last week, because Arkansas did not look good against an FCS opponent. Now, granted... That was the voodoo magic. I'm convinced of Bobby Petrino. <laughs> I don't, uh, did you watch any of that? No. That guy was in his bag. We I, can say whatever <laughs> we want about Bobby Petrino. You find me five people who can scheme up an offense better. Yeah. And I'll call you a liar. So I, I, I that's that's part. That's my only worry about this game. Is I, that was like fool's gold, right? Bobby yeah. Petrino's like screw Arkansas. I'm gonna embarrass these guys 
in the what's their Reynolds Stadium? I forgot what their stadium's called. Anyway, I'm gonna embarrass them in Fayetteville, right? That was his goal, and sure enough, he scared them, right? Their quarterback put up over 350 passing through the air. Um, defensively, they were whatever. Bobby Petrino is not known for defense, but regardless, Arkansas got scared by Missouri State. So, regardless, this is the old Southwest Conference matchup, right? This is inside AT and T. I would not be shocked if A&M wins this game. If you would have asked me this yeah. a week ago, I'd be like, there's no way, right? Arkansas is a machine right now. This game's always weird, right? Going back it to is. Brett Bielema versus Kevin Sumlin, this game's just always strange. Last year was strange. We thought A&M was going to roll, right? That was Arkansas's coming out party, basically, them and that in the Texas game. I have no idea. That's kind of what's fascinating for me is that I don't know, I kind of have an idea what A&M is, right? Probably underwhelming and kind of disappointing on the offensive line, really bad quarterback play. I have no idea what Arkansas is right now. Are they that emerging SEC power, or are they still kind of waiting to emerge as that? You know, despite these games always being close, A&M had won nine in a row until sure. last year. Right, right. Uh, but if we look back on it, this game's been within 12 points since 2012, every single time. Six of the last nine in Arlington have been one-possession games. That 2020 game was in College Station because of the pandemic. They didn't do it, did neutral site stuff. But always a close game, always an interesting game. I believe there's been three overtime games in the last, like, six or seven meetings between them. A&M won each of those. If we're talking gambling, I feel like this is one of those lines where a Arkansas would at least be a pick if not a one- or two-point favorite, if not, mm -hmm. for their performance last week against Bobby Trino and Missouri State. Um, I believe that Arkansas comes and wins this football game. I still just do not have any confidence in that offense, even yeah. after the quarterback change. Max Johnson went 10 of 20 last week. Devon yeah. A-Chain yeah. was the only one who caught a touchdown pass, and it was just a little dump out to the side, and A-Chain did everything else. Arkansas is going to play defense. They, ha they have some linebackers. They have a front seven that's pretty good. Their weakness is the secondary, with Jalen Catalan being out, just a couple other guys that they're missing back there. The way to get Arkansas is through the passing game, the way yeah. that Bobby Petrino did it last week. A&M just can't do that. They cannot right. line up and throw the ball 40 times a game. They will lose. That offensive line is not good enough. The wide receivers are not good enough. The quarterback is not good enough. This feels like a low-scoring game. If A&M has a chance, I would lean towards the under, but I think Arkansas's offense, K.J. Jefferson, is just better, and they're going to win this game eventually. But, as we mentioned, this is always a weird game. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you throw out everything that happens before, and you just kind of figure out what happens during the game. It just seems like Arkansas has more routes to victory than A&M does. Yeah. Arkansas, also a very underrated uh, uh, winner in the transfer portal. Drew Sanders, native, yeah. of, native, of, uh, native of Denton, of course, formerly of Alabama, now Arkansas. I believe he leads the nation in sacks. Or I, I think Arkansas as a team leads the nation in sacks, and I want to say he's their leading sack leader right now. He had an incredible hit last week, uh, basically stonewalled a dude from Missouri State, and he's playing on fire. Landon Jackson, another dude of Pleasant Grove, Another dude playing out of his mind. Bumper pool. Yeah, bumper, bumper pool. pool. Like, literally, people, just dudes everywhere at that linebacker yeah. pass rush position. So, even if they want to drop back and pass AM, I don't know, because Max Johnson going to be able to run away from all those guys. Like, those are athletes, right? Former four or five star guys running after you. Um, I think we're going to see, a, I, I honestly don't think we're going to see a very good game from Devonta Chain because I don't know if he, he's an incredible athlete. Arkansas decided they were going to put incredible athletes at that second level at least, right? Like you mentioned, the secondary is where you want to get them. I don't know if they have the firepower to attack that secondary, so I think it's going to be a lot more Devonta Chain, Anai Smith over the middle, things like that. I think that plays in Arkansas's defense. So, And unfortunately, Arkansas is a sledgehammer on offense that will 
take three yards wherever they can get it and just eventually get down the field. The hope for A&M is that Evan Stewart, Chris Marshall are back from suspension and that kind of woke them up and this sure. is their yeah. coming out party because they're right. going to need a big game from their outside receivers to win this one. You can't ride Anaya Smith and Devon A. Chain against a good defense and hope to win. Right. Are we going to see Max Johnson? Yeah, he'll be the I, yeah, okay. I think so. I think yeah. you can't pull him after one week. Um, yeah. Even if it was an FCS opponent, even if he wasn't or uh, uh, Miami, and even yeah. if um, you know he didn't look very good, but it's like you know you kind of know what you have with Haynes King. You gotta right. keep. You made your move. You gotta stick with it now. Right. So they're so bad offensively that they can't risk turnovers, and Haynes King is turns a turnover the ball risk. Over. Yeah. And so you almost right. have to just. We're not going to have the same amount of explosive plays, but we're also not going to give the ball away. And right now, they just have to hope to win like they did against Miami, 17-9. Yep. Like, it needs to be one of those games. I think Arkansas is better offensively than Miami. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we'll see if they can hang on and win that type of game this week. Yep. Mallory, what is next? Let's move on to Craven's game of the week, which is Texas at Texas Tech. This Saturday at 2.30 p.m., you can watch it on ESPN. Texas favored by six and a half. The over under at sixty. Sellout in Jones Stadium. It's going to be loud. Whew. It's going to be fun. Is it sold out? Yeah, sold out. Nice. They announced the sellout. Nice. Now there's two types of sellouts, right? There's right. The, uh, quote unquote sellout. Right. There's, exactly. We sold the all, all the tickets, and then there's like there's not a seat available. I think <laughs> right. this is going to be a not a seat available <laughs> yeah. type game. Yep. Even coming off that loss against North Carolina State on the road, it feels like Lubbock and Texas Tech is fully jacked behind Joey McGuire in this tenure. This 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 presents an opportunity for the Red Raiders to get that signature win. Yes. In front of a sold-out crowd. I'm sure dozens of recruits are going to be in the house. Everybody's going to be watching. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing for Texas Tech here is this might be the last time Texas goes to Lubbock. True. That's, That's a, good a good point. point. And That's so point. this is a big game for Texas Tech, for that fan base, for those alumni, for these players. It feels like they have more to play for. It feels like they'll, they're going to be a little bit more excited. Now, on the flip side, Texas has played tremendously. They were excellent in the last three quarters against UTSA. Bajon Robinson and Rashawn Johnson have been great. They scored 70 points last year against Texas Tech, ran mm -hmm. for like a million yards. I, I feel they're still running against Texas Tech from last year. Right. So – we're going to find out what that Tim DeRuiter defense is, is this week. And honestly, Texas Tech's probably looked better on the defensive side of the ball than the offensive side of the ball more often than not this year. Sure. I agree with that. I think for me, this game, yes, I think last year's – this is going to be the true test of, like, what is this team compared to last year, right? So far, so good, right? Looked everything. But this is the team that got embarrassed by a Texas team that was not very good last year, mm -hmm. right? Obviously, Tech turned it around. Obviously, the firing kind of helped and, you know, things like that. Made a bowl game, sure, fine. But we saw what happened when they played a team that had probably more on-paper talent, right? And it did not go well. I wonder, because what, what this Texas team has, has kind of made its mark on so far, is that front seven, right? That front seven mm -hmm. has been hungry. And I think they finally started... It took a little bit, right, against last week against UTSA, but they finally made Frank Harris get out a little bit, made him a little bit uncomfortable. He was good enough to make that work in the first half. They weren't exactly blocking perfectly he was just that good and they forced uh, they they finally made him make a mistake and that broke the game for them and they ended up taking it from there I think I honestly think we're gonna see the Zach Kitley TM trademark yeah. offense in this game because I don't think they want to give tech those guys I don't I don't think they want to give DeMarvin Overshone a chance to get home I don't think they want to give their front seven a chance to set up second and 11 third and third and 10 third and nine things like that I think they want to throw I would not be surprised if they throw the ball 55 60 times because I just think that's how you kill that front seven quickly right three yard dump five yard dump four yard dump like you just needle that defense yeah. all the way down 
because that defense, that secondary, is playing fine so far, but they're susceptible, right? UTSA tested them last week. I think Bama left a lot of skin on the bone in, in that game. Those receivers did. And I think there is something to be got there, that secondary. So I think if you play in that middle short game, like, like Zach Kelly likes to do, I think that's where they're going to win. Or that's how they can win. I don't think they will because I do think Texas is going to find something offensively that just I think they're going to hit too many home runs against this defense. Not as many as last year. I think it is a much improved unit. But I just do not – I don't think I trust Texas Tech's defense to do it for a full game yet against Texas. I'm excited for Tyree Wilson versus Kelvin Banks. Yes. Like that's that going to be, be fantastic. Yeah. like a scout's dream right there on the edge. Uh, really good, you know, young offensive lineman, uh, an emerging defensive lineman who's been excellent, maybe the best defensive lineman in the Big 12 through three weeks. Here's the thing that's trending towards Texas. Texas has had probably its worst decade of – definitely of our lifetimes, maybe mm -hmm. in the, the history of UT football. And they've won 11 out of the last 13 against Texas Tech, even despite that. Sure. The Longhorns are 18-4 and four against Texas Tech this century. Man, and geez. so this feels like a rivalry. It hasn't been one on the field. Mm -hmm. For Texas Tech, though, it's like that Texas A&M game a couple, you know, a decade or so ago. If you can win this one, you can ride off into the sunset with it and use yep. this as a scoreboard for the rest of the time. There's going to be a lot of emotions uh, in Lubbock in AT&T Stadium. For Texas, the key is to weather the first quarter. Yep, mm -hmm. exactly. If I they agree. can do that and get out of the first quarter tied or, or ahead, they're going to roll here. If Texas Tech can get up big, then it, it becomes a real game. Mm -hmm. What is next, Mallory? Let's go ahead and move on to our last game of the week, which is my game of the week. The Iron Skillet, TCU at SMU this Saturday at 11 a.m. You can watch it on ESPNU. TCU favored by two. The over-under set at 70 and a half. And if you remember last year, SMU did take the dub. Mm -hmm. They won 42 to 34 under Sonny Dykes, who is now at TCU. I think <clears throat> in this game, I think the factor, or I guess, you know, like, What's going to determine this game is, like, the depth on both defenses, mm -hmm. just because of how explosive both offenses are. Um, for example, they both put up a lot of yards. TCU ranks ninth in total offense, averaging 521 yards. SMU ranks 12th in total offense, averaging 516 yards. However, they rank super differently when it comes to actually turning those yards into points. TCU still at that ninth spot in the FBS for scoring offense, and T uh, SMU ranking 30th in the FBS for mm. scoring offense. And if you remember back to the game last week against Maryland with SMU, uh, they had 30 first downs but only uh, converted 10 times out of 21 on third down, and they just couldn't, they couldn't turn those yards into points. So I think that it kind of comes down to if SMU can turn those yards into points and which defense is going to tire out quicker, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, SMU's played tougher competition with Maryland, even North Texas. You know, TCU played Colorado in an FCS team, so basically two FCS teams so far for TCU. Right. I'm worried about the off week last week for TCU. It's a it's such a weird like a week three off week is strange. Very weird, with a yeah. new coaching staff, right? It feels like a hindrance. Yes. Yeah. You want to keep playing. You need more reps, especially with Chandler Morris playing as the quarterback, or not Chandler Morris, but Max Duggan Max playing Duggan, yeah. as the quarterback because Chandler Morris is out. I'd imagine Chandler Morris got most of those first team reps the week or two leading into the opener against Colorado, so they're still catching up there. Everything's still new in Fort mm -hmm. Worth. Mm -hmm. And that's true at SMU as well, but they've played four quarters extra of football, mm -hmm. and they've played a Maryland team on the road that gave them a real test. Last week, SMU's problem was offensively. They turned the ball over three times. Tanner Mordecai had two interceptions and a fumble. You know, they did not score 
for the last 20 plus minutes of game time there against Maryland and still yeah. almost won that game. So to Mar to Mallory's point for SMU, they're going to be able to move the football. Can they finish? Yeah. And for TCU, what does that passing offense look like? Mm -hmm. Because the first half against Colorado was concerning. Even through the air, the second half of the Colorado game was concerning. The only time they've looked really good was week two against an FCS opponent. SMU's not that. Yeah. So what will that rust look like for TCU? Have they figured things out? Does that week off during you know week three hurt them rather than help them? And then it's going to be loud. Right? Like Ford, Stadium, out, yeah. Ford Stadium is usually not an intimidating place to play. I, right. I don't think I'm stepping on any But there's literally that. one man that they want to yell at right. for a whole game. Right. And there is actually dikes. a villain <laughs> yes. in Ford Stadium, and people are going to boo him, and people are going to be loud, and SMU has everything to play for because that's their former coach. Yep. yep. Right? And all of the pressure is on TCU. Mm -hmm. SMU's won two in a row. Their head coach left them for this team. You, it's like, you know, you show up somewhere with like your new girlfriend or right. boyfriend or whatever, you know, you, you want to do, do yeah. you want to be doing better right. than your ex. Right. Right. Like if, if this, and if, you run into him at the party, right. it's like, it's like, like someone F you're close F to. S exactly. SMU <laughs> has the opportunity to like run into their ex yeah. better off. Yep. Like, oh man, you left me. And now look at the glow up. Right. right. Yeah. So right. I think Rhett Lashley is going to empty broke, his I'm bag, going to throw anything yep. against yeah. the air and TCU may play a little tight. Kind of like the Texas-Texas Tech game, first quarter becomes really important. Right. If TCU can weather that storm and be on top half of the first quarter, their depth, as you mentioned, should allow them to win this game pretty easily. If SMU can get off to a hot start, though, all of a yeah. sudden things start tightening on the TCU sideline. They haven't won against them since 2018 because, remember, mm -hmm. in 2020 they didn't play. Right. Mm -hmm. So nobody at TCU has ever beaten SMU. Maybe Max Duggan. Right. right? But nobody's really been in the starting lineup to beat SMU. This one could be – this one could get weird, right? And if SMU wins that game, the noise towards towards Sunny Dykes gets louder and louder. SMU yeah. hits them with the, no, nah, they're broke, I'm up. Like right. that, that whole deal. So Yeah, you, the billboards exactly. that SMU will put up <laughs> is going to be amazing. On the way from – yeah, on the highway from Fort Worth right. heading towards uh, – They Dallas may Island. buy one at the Carter. Yeah. yeah. That'd be amazing. That'd be fantastic. Um, But, no, I agree. I think Mallory hit the nail on the head with the defense because the the fresh also the frustrating part with the TCU bye week – is that the numbers don't quite spell the whole story, right? Yeah. Because one of w part of them is skewed because they played an FCS team. Mm -hmm. And so you look at all the numbers for this game heading in, and you look at the on-the-field stuff. You mentioned it. Okay, well, they looked really great against FCS, and then they kind of looked fine against Colorado, right? So it's like, okay, well, what's the balance in there? Where is What is the real TCU team? So you say, okay, well, let's look at the numbers. Well, of course they're going to lean great because they lit up an FCS team. And mm -hmm. so it's like if you – And Colorado stinks. I was about to say, Colorado's yeah. not very good. Yeah. And it – Granted, when they finally got into gear in the second half, okay, cool. Then they looked fine, but it took a whole quarter to kind of get it going. So, yeah, I think this defense in particular, because the one thing that's concerned me for SMU is they haven't been really good on early downs. They've had to kind of get those third and longs. And they're good enough, too. They have a great wide receiver core. They have a great quarterback. They're good enough, too. But that's the one thing that I'm really concerned about is it is can they establish those early down run or not even runs just early down yardage to create those third and threes third and fours because if that's the case then I think TC's in trouble legitimately because yeah. I think if you can give Tanner Mordecai the comfortability of knowing third and three okay we can either hit him for three yards or we can take a shot deep and we can blow him up with Rasheed Rice you know things like that and like really light up the secondary 
early, watch to me, watch those early down play calls from SMU because if they're establishing third and long, I don't think TCU is the type of team that's going to let them get those third and nines, third and tens converted no. like they've been doing. So Rasheed Rice versus Hodges Tomlinson. Yes. Must see TV. Matchup. Wide receiver That'll versus cornerback. It's why I wish we had a sky cam in college football. Right. Because yeah. I, I, I want to see more of that instead of the broadcast angle. I want to see the wide receiver cornerback matchups as they go down the field. And yeah. to your point, SMU ran for 350 yards last year against TCU. Yeah. So if that performance is repeated, SMU is winning this football game. Absolutely. Yep. All righty. Those are our headline games. Let's get into lightning round hurry up thing. Yeah, that we don't we, do that well. Oh, no, no. We're a methodical not. offense. I was about to say, <laughs> yeah. yeah well, let's, we're more San Francisco 49ers. Let's huddle up. Let's call this zone run, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mallory, what do we got? I like that. I'm going to title that next week. All right. Let's go into our first lightning round or whatever you just called it. Zone. We'll call it the wide zone moving forward. I love it. I love it. Baylor at Iowa State this Saturday at 11 a.m. You can watch it on ESPN2. Baylor, not favored in this game. Iowa State favored by three. The over under at 46. That's a weird one for me. It is a weird one. This feels like a fulcrum game. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Like this is the turning point of Baylor's season. Yeah. Last year, a win over Iowa State kind of kick-started the Big 12 championship movement. It really mm-hmm. gave them yeah. some confidence. It was like, okay, we're not that 2-7 and seven team anymore. We can go win these real games. After a loss to BYU, you have that reigning Big 12 championship there in your corner. You want to go repeat. You haven't played overly well offensively, but if you can go into Iowa State and get this win – kind of gets everybody back on your boat sure mm-hmm. right you go and you lose this game and all of a sudden you've lost the only two games you played against like competition mm-hmm. what is this baylor team was last year just a blip on the radar right like right. it starts to bring up some of those points blake shapen in that passing offense ha- has struggled they still have not developed an, a number one target i don't know who their number one wide receiver is probably seth jones uh, with Monterey Baldwin out, like I, I don't know what they do there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the good news for Baylor last week, though, is they seem to have found a running back. Sure. Richard Reese was great. Was great. Uh, three touchdowns over 100 yards, true freshman. They need that in that wide zone offense. I, I think Baylor's way to win is defense in the running game. The problem, though, is Iowa State's good against those things. Like yeah. That's also their formula. And so at home, Iowa State, three-point favorite. This one's going to be a hard one for Baylor. But if they can figure out a way to pull this one out, all of a sudden, this jump starts their season. If they go and they lose this game on the road, seven, eight, nine wins becomes the reality for Baylor. Yeah, I think what I'm terrified of this game is I feel like this is this. I think this is the fulcrum game for the offense because this is a game that I could absolutely see Baylor scoring ten points in because Iowa State is that good of an offense. They're that good of a defense. Sorry, they're top five in EPA per pass, top six in EPA per rush on defense. Top nine in uh, uh, echo rate, which again yards available gained or stopped from gaining. Um, if you're on the if the defensive side, and Baylor, granted they played BYU, so some of the, some of the numbers are going to be a little bit unfair. They're solid on defense this year, but they're not. They haven't been that right. They haven't yet had that type. They of They lack stars. Right, exactly. And so I worry that yes, once the de- the defense comes out looks fine, but th- come third quarter, late fourth quarter, dam starts to break a little bit, and you start to see. You know, Deckers, who's looked okay for Iowa State, he has. I don't think he's lit the world on fire, but he's moved the ball against a really good Iowa defense uh, in the in the um, uh, that rivalry game, and they, that they pulled out 10-7. So we know that Iowa State can get in the scrap, right? I, that's how Iowa wins games, and they beat Iowa at their own game. And so we know that they can get in the slugfest. So I feel like if Baylor gets into that, I don't know if they even have the offense to like 
unless uh, uh, the running back comes out again like he did against Texas State. But again, that was Texas State. I don't know. That's a different story to do it against Iowa State. Um, I worry really a lot about this. I'm still – I'm not as big of a Matt Campbell fan as other people are, but I do know that he's established consistency at Iowa State, and now I know that they are just a consistently good to potentially great Big 12 team now. And to me right now, Baylor – I don't know if they haven't looked like a upper echelon Big 12 team so yeah. far this season. You know, Baylor last year was kind of considered this workmanlike team. Right. But they had stars no, they all over the field. Yep. Like on JT Woods, Jalen Petrie, Terrell Bernard, Abram Smith, Taekwon Thornton. Like those were guys. Yeah. They don't have those. They just those. don't have that this They don't year, have yeah. those anymore. And that was what we've talked about all offseason. What would Dave Aranda's Baylor look like when it doesn't have Matt Rule and Joey McGuire's players? Yes. Yep. And so far. They have not filled those spots with like talent, mm-hmm. and they're going to have to scheme their ways to victory. That's hard on the road against a team that's also really well coached. That's why I call this a fulcrum game. I feel like the way that this game goes dictates the rest of the year for Baylor. If they can win this game, they're off to 8, 9, 10 wins. If they lose this game, it's 6, 7, 8. Yep. All right, let's move on to our next lightning round game. Which is that's why it's called the wide zone. I think we just spent four minutes on that lightning round. Yeah, this one we're gonna spend even less. <laughs> said uh, that the past. UTEP hosting Boise State. Oh, we don't have to spend much time. On this. Uh, that's why I just said we're gonna spend even. <laughs> no, less we're like Baylor. We're just setting uh, up more run. <laughs> Yikes! Uh, I can talk. I can talk about UTEP Boise State for twenty minutes. If oh, we need to, I can do a TED talk on this. UTEP has broken my heart. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. here's the disappointing part about this. Before, I'll let you get on your tangent. Boise State does not look good this year, and I do not care. <laughs> I do not care that yeah. Boise State does not look good this year. If like They're going to win this If game. like me, you're forced to bet on at least one thing of each single game, take the under here. Yeah. Like, avoid the yeah. money line and just take the under. Because I don't trust UTEP to score 10 points in 10 quarters. Nope. That no. offense is boom or bust, and there's not much boom. There's they don't have one. Jacob Cowing anymore. They just don't have Justin Garrett anymore. Like Tywin Smith is good, but somebody has to catch a ball. Like right. That's why his stats are so good. He has drops as well. Offensive line struggles. The only hope for UTEP here is Boise State, as you mentioned, isn't a team that's going to blow you out 63-0. Because yeah. this is Friday night on CBS Sports Network. Mm-hmm. You're going to be on national TV. People are going to be watching. It's 8 o'clock. You're going to be the last game on that night. There's going to be a lot of gambling money on you. And like the North Texas game, I just think it's one. UTEP doesn't have the depth. They don't have yeah. the horses to last four quarters with teams like this. Boise State's going to lean on them, lean on them, lean on them. And unlike last year, UTEP does not have the playmakers to make this interesting. So I, I was actually counting up the touchdowns for UTEP this year. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, and that's with that's four, that's four games. They've played four games. <laughs> they, they played, played an extra games. game. Yeah. Uh, they so, played New Mexico State. They played New Mexico well. State. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not great. Um, again, I mentioned Boise State's not good. This isn't for the first time in a while. Boise State's having like an existential crisis of like, why aren't we dominating every Power Five team that we play? And they're about to kind of get a boost of confidence this week. That's what's unfortunate. They're really not looking that great. They got pummeled by Oregon State, which is the teams that they're usually supposed to kind of nip in the bud as yeah. those as those uh, bottom Power Five teams. They got beat by New Mexico. <laughs> Remember, uh, or sorry, they beat New Mexico, but it was the, uh, closer than it should have been. And then they only beat UT Martin by th- uh, thirty to seven. Right. So it, Boise State is not. This should have been. If this was last year, this should have been the game that UTEP looks at and says, "Man." We can go make some noise, right? I don't see it this year. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. If I set the over and under at three wins for UTEP right now, which one are you taking? Mm, uh, I think two is more likely than four. Two wins is more likely than four, you think? Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I think I would take three and nine if I had to like pick one. But if it was set at was three and I had to pick yeah. two or four, I think it's more likely they Man. win two than four. I mean, I, I think Rice will be favored when they play later on in the year. That's okay. how That's far crazy. back UTEP has taken a step so far. I think yeah. I'll still take the over just because I think just conference. I don't trust the consistency of conference USA. Are they playing like FIU and yeah they get F- that's that's a two okay they get that's FIU. two do they get FAU yeah I think so that might be a win too I but think. they haven't won in Florida ever right. oh. no it looks like it looks okay. like they get both of them at home oh they do they okay. get both FIU one of them, nice. was, okay. one of them so, was on the road yeah because um, UTEP's got that weird st- like they've never won a game in the Eastern Time right yeah, it's like a yeah. awful that's stat cool. that's crazy um, yeah. I would go over still just because yeah again Charlotte's not very good but still Eastern Time Zone thing FIU FAU. Who knows with Rice? We'll see kind of what Rice is actually over the next couple couple of weeks. But I would go over just because of more of the conference than my confidence in UTEP. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah that's a good that's point. Fair. All right, let's move on to another game we're not going to spend much time on. Um, North Texas playing at Memphis this weekend. We're not? Um, not going to spend much time on? <laughs> this Saturday at 2.30 p.m. If you want to watch it, it's on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Memphis favored by 12, the over-under at 68 and a half. I was going to go to this game, <laughs> but I'm not read anymore. That. Mallory read that like I used to read in school when the teacher made me read. Like, okay, fine. It's uh, it's Tuesday Mem- at 3 Memphis o'clock. It's cloudy outside. Like, that was like as sad as I've ever heard Mallory's voice. Oh, Sorry. my goodness. This, UNT this is just gonna be a t- takes on their quarterback that they let get away was born right in their backyard. <laughs> oh, Seth no, 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 no. <laughs> Another Seth Hennigan revenge game. God, I don't even want to <laughs> talk. Revenge tour. He's going to be looking at his dad the whole time. <laughs> 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 do, you think, do you think his dad's going? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I think so. Probably yeah, so. He, just, he doesn't He's even have to get his car out of the garage. He just walk gr- over there. I know, I know. That's, <laughs> Basically. Yeah, that's really, yeah. The yeah. Seth Hennigan's this like, his play has been amazing. Oh, he's, he's been, been great. Like, we're he's all high school great. watchers here. Like, yeah. we watched him in high school. He wasn't this good. No. He yeah. Was. This year he's uh, he's uh, nine. He got 940 yards, six touchdowns, and zero interceptions. He's so thrown for he's, he's thrown nine. for sixty over 65 percent against Navy and Arkansas State the past two weeks. Yeah, he's good. He looks fantastic. He, looks he has really not thrown good. a pick yet. Yeah. Like he looks really good. And like you mentioned, he was not he was not this good. Right. Yeah. He was good enough to pilot a talented team in high school. But I think everybody kind of was like, huh, Memphis. That's a it's yeah. kind of a stretch, right? right. We thought yeah. so. No, he's fit right in, man. And uh, he yeah. ran Grant Gannell out of there. <laughs> he ran Grant yeah. Gannell out of there, and, and apparently, he's apparently back. space jammed his talent because he can't even start at North Texas right now. So I don't know. I thought Grant Gannell was pretty good coming out of high school, but he yeah. started at Arizona. So, so I don't know what his, what his I, deal here's is. Here's my so. concern for North Texas. <laughs> Oh, I've got a lot of concerns. <laughs> I know, I know, <laughs> I, I know, I know. I, know, I, know like, single concern? I can tell you what my single concern is. <laughs> I, you can't lose to future conference opponents the way that they have. No. Sure, you know, like SMU's a future conference opponent is forty-eight to ten. Yeah, if this Memphis game is also in that round range, that's not a good look for Seth Luttrell in North Texas. You're not nope. Conference USA anymore. You're moving to the American. We went through the numbers before the show. We did. And North Texas has only made a bowl game five times in the century before Seth Luttrell got there, and he's made it five in six years. Mm-hmm. So North Texas wasn't great before Seth Luttrell there has gotten there, and he's made them better than they have been in our viewing lifetimes. Mm-hmm. But as Mallory has pointed out, when you're moving up a conference and your contract is kind of running out, your old and standard it's not gonna, can't be the standard. You can't. You have to move it forward. Yeah. And so I think he's almost a victim of his own success. Those two nine-win seasons early on reset standards and set expectations of that's who we are. It's not. 
they're dependent on the quarterback, and right now they don't have a great one. They have an average one, and they've been an average team. Memphis is good against the run, yep. and that's not good for North Texas. I was going to say, that's that's going to be what they're going to be trying to do is run the ball, and Memphis has a great run defense. So it's I, – I don't know what's going to happen in this game, but I, I don't – it's not going to go in North Texas' favor. <laughs> we were joking. You know, like when you talk to a Texas fan about Texas A&M right now, they're like, nah, Jimbo's fine. Right. Keep Jimbo. Keep the passing off it. I think I do that with North Texas as a UTSA grad. I'm like, yeah, they made five out of the last six bowl games. Keep Seth Luttrell. I don't understand what you know the big deal is. At won? this point, like, yeah, at this point, like, barring, I don't know, it does feel like, you know, kind of like a, a foregone conclusion about his, his tenure. But yeah. at the very at the very least, because, like, let's say they look at that 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 standard, right? Five out of six bowls, you know, out of his, uh, out of his six years here. Cool, awesome, great. At the very least, you got to say, hey, you got to fix the staff, right? Exactly. At the very least, you got to yeah. like revamp everything, right, mm-hmm. top to bottom. And like, we'll let you pick the guys, but you got to be different. They got to be different guys, right? Because apparently, you're doing something right while we're going bowling, while we have the standard now, right? Right. But there's something with player development. There's something with the scheme. There's something going on, right? Maybe you hold on to Phil Bennett, right? Mm-hmm. Defenses look pretty good, but you change the way you got to change something. Why are we losing Seth Hennigan's to Memphis, right? Mm-hmm. You change, you got to change something about this offense. Why is it that we, the only time we were good is when we had a generational quarterback for our program, right? So I agree. I do think that it's a foregone conclusion. He's eventually probably going to part with, they might do the parting aways thing, right? As opposed to like firing him out, right? Mm-hmm. But at the very least, I would not be shocked if they do the, you know what? Staff reset, right? Everybody, boom. Seth Luttrell, we trust your guidance overall, Yeah. but we need somebody else coming in and looking at this. I'm going to read the win totals for North Texas from 2005 to 2015. Yeah. Seth Luttrell got there in 2016, for right. reference. Starting in 2005, two, three, two, one, two, three, five, four, nine, four, one. Yep. He's overachieving. Yeah. He's overachieving at North Texas, and it's right. still not enough. That's just how much the college football is just changes, and the it's just growing. it's and the just facility tough, upgrades, right? all that under right. his watch. Like yes. Apogee is an incredible right. facility, so like yeah, now they can't they They're can't putting field, more money into it. I was about it. to say they can't field a three win team with those facilities. Right, right? It's basically what the logic is. So and exactly. I, you know, it's hard to argue. Yeah, you can uh, see I can see both ways, but yeah, it's. It's, it's tough. To I just think two tra- yeah. things can be true at once. Sure. Yeah, exactly. That's I agree with that. I agree He's with been that. an good overachieving, point. maybe the second best head coach in the history of North Texas, and it's probably time to move on. Yep. I think both of those Fair. things can be true at once. For sure. All right. Next up, we got Rice traveling to Houston this Saturday at 5 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN+. Plus. Houston favored by 17 and a half over Hoot Hoot. I didn't think over I was going to have to watch this game. Sorry, <laughs> well, I'm sorry I cut you off. No, there. you're good. You're good. I just said over-unders at 52 uh, That's and how half. excited I am. I got, <laughs> um, I'm excited. <laughs> I was super impressed. I went back and watched that whole Rice game on Monday because yeah. I'm, I have a sickness. <laughs> <laughs> looked really good. They looked pretty <laughs> good. Really yeah. good. If TJ McMahon wasn't throwing the ball to Louisiana three times, <laughs> right. they'd probably win that game by 35 points yep. or something like that. It was a dominating game. Like, Rice is good. Good may be strong. Rice is decent. Right. They're not they bad. They look good, right? right? They might not, you know, right. we'll see about if they are good. They look good, right? right? Yeah. So far, what we have to go off of, they look good. Luke McCaffrey was an Earl Campbell honorable mention yeah. player of the week this week. So like they have a they have a guy, off, right? They have I a could, guy. I couldn't name a guy on offense heading into the year. I was like, maybe Luke McCaffrey, he was a highly tied recruit, but I don't know. Is he a good receiver? He might right. be. <laughs> After that game, he might be. And right. I was so right about that Rice secondary, by the way. They're good. They are 
good. They're yes, good. They they're good. Really good. That that is a strength. That defense is really good. Yeah. Uh, they shut down Louisiana last last week. Again, if it wasn't for the three turnovers, that defense may pitch a shutout. Like sure. they, they were really really good. I'm excited for Rice. They changed the math by getting two out of conference wins. Yes, six wins is right there for them now. We've talked mm-hmm. about UTEP not being good. We talked about FIU. They played North Texas the last week of the year. Mm-hmm. I went through the schedules. It is likely, or at least possible, that those both of those teams are five and six Oof. with that game in Denton. And it's like the winner stays, the loser <laughs> gets a U-Haul type situation. You guys so can come and I'll, looking... I'll be at that game. Don't worry. <laughs> no, me too. I mean, I almost have to because like, that'll be fun. I mean, yeah. just like It'll the stakes be, yeah, alone, yeah. right, sure. if it gets to that level. I think Rice really is a – the UTEP of this year, mm-hmm. yeah. where they can really go shock some people. We look back and go, man, they were, you know, we should have seen that one coming. Mike Bloomgren told me all offseason that they were good. He swore to me, hey, I'm not, I'm not lying to you. Right. Yeah. Like the it's last just, four years, I would have told you we weren't all that great. Right. This year, if we can stay healthy, we finally have the depth to do this thing. So far, so good. Okay. I think, and I think the, the thing that's going to Rice's benefit is that USC looks excellent. Right, yes, USC. Were, ju- USC a, just looks like I think there were some people who were skeptical about Lincoln Riley yeah, going in and making they, it. In they might year be a one. playoff team. I was about to say, like that's yeah, the, that's the benefit for Rice because we looked at that and we're like, yeah, they got smoked. It's Rice, whatever. But like US, I think there were some people who thought that maybe take a little bit to like get going for Lincoln Riley. They're just smacking people, right? Yeah. They look like USC of old, just smack. So it's like, okay, you got blown up by USC. Looks like everybody's gonna get blown up by USC. Rice so also held their own in, in that, they, in that they first led quarter. At one point. The first quarter, <laughs> or they scored a did they lead. I, th- I think they were. I don't think they led, but they were tied at at, at the end of the first quarter. Yeah. Right. They were watching Houston, and they UTSA. threw three pick sixes. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it wasn't like yeah. USC just yes they steamrolled them. But it's so was hard not, to do. By it the way, not, <laughs> it was not from the get go that Rice was just like getting run over immediately. There was a period of time where you looked at the scores like, hey, interesting. Right. Yeah, right. Right. So they just got tired, man. Before we move on, are we all off of Houston? Bandwagon, like, is I think it? So. Oh, we're just, we're just assuming. I mean, that this oh, I, w- I was going to ask you. Yeah. I was going to ask you. Do you think that Houston covers? No, the seventeen and a half points. Per no, you don't think they cover? I don't. I, trust, I, I don't I think don't, I'd put my own money on it. Yeah, I don't trust that fair. defense. I don't the defense I don't, is yeah. not. I don't trust the offensive line. That's fair. I don't. Yeah, I, I think I'm more concerned about the defense because we thought this was going to be. I don't know what's gone wrong exactly with Doug Belk's unit. It's not intimidating. Like they're not getting to the they're not getting the quarterback. They're not forcing turnovers. They're missing tackles. They're missing guys in space. Like it's just not. They miss Marcus that. Jones. That's fair. No, they, they I, were that, play, able to play ten on ten last year and yep. not give any safety help. They just can't. And then they knew the that there was way. a pick six waiting to happen. Right, right, right yeah. in their secondary. They have to help their secondary more. That's leading to less pressure on the quarterback, and it's opened up a lot of holes that maybe were covered last yeah. year because <laughs> they would get to an opposing quarterback before right. you found out somebody was open. Now, granted, they're playing a quarterback that apparently just loves to give touchdowns right. to the defense. This so, like, a, it could absolutely this could absolutely be their kind of rebirth and yeah. kind of their revamp. So, who knows? And Derek Parrish has been awesome. Yeah, by the way, sure, sure. Um, so so they're still playing well the defensive line. It's the, the second level and the third level that's giving them trouble. Yeah. I don't know if Rice is the one to test them with that. Right. That's but if they can too. avoid turnovers, Rice can put a scare in Also, Houston. one yeah. thing that I have no- that I noticed, just looking at the numbers here, I did not notice this. Rice has had excellent field position. They're third in uh, Parker's numbers on starting field position. They almost start at the 40. That's which wild. Which is insane. They also, they also rank second in the FBS for time of possession, too. So they control <sighs> this bully the ball, ball when they've got it. Yeah. Yeah, so. it is. 
Anyway, um, we'll see. Well, I mean, all they had a lot of time in possession against USC because USC just kept running the interception. Yeah, now that that, that may have a good. Yeah, that, that might be the reason that they're not. <laughs> I'm never gonna get. I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah, three pick sixes in a game still is just like an anomaly that seems like you'd have to try to do. Yeah, Dana Holgerson yeah. today said uh, he hopes to buy you, because of course this I think the contract runs out in t- next year. I think in 2023, um, and he hopes that the Bayou bucket kind of continues. We'll see if he has those same thoughts after this weekend. So we'll see. Good lord! All right. Two <laughs> more to go we got utsa hosting texas southern you can watch it on saturday at 2 30 p.m on the stadium app <laughs> andrew body yeah. let's go baby let's go let, let andrew body cook let andrew body, let cook. Andrew body cook you're <laughs> an underdog you're not gonna win this game let him throw 70 times i do not care yeah i want to see andrew body highlights y'all are trying to get andrew body hurt <laughs> <laughs> this is a good – this is perfect for you. trying to get him a scholarship they somewhere. Need, yeah, yes. I know. <laughs> Corey and I spent about five minutes talking about, like, what Andrew Body's market value would be. Yeah. And I'm starting to feel bad that I keep letting him leave Texas Southern. Every time – I know. Every time I know. Andrew That's Body is discussed, I'm like, where's he going to play next year? Right. You know, yeah. like, he probably should just – I mean – I would love for him to stay. Yeah. If Clarence McKinney has them on the right track, I would love for him to stay by, in Texas by Southern. By the way, shout out Texas Southern. They just beat Southern last week 24 to nothing. That, that was awesome. Shout out. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Andrew Body's a star. He's great. They have no chance this week. No, absolutely not. UTSA finally gets to play like light competition. Yeah. <laughs> they can so, take a breath. <laughs> you're right. So I do think that there's a worry that UTSA kind of sleepwalks through the first half. Mm-hmm. You know, you you played at Houston, you played at Army. Last week was against Texas. Like, how do you get up for Texas Southern? I'd yeah. imagine there's not a lot of fans in there. It's going to be kind of a quiet atmosphere. Is it going to be a self-motivating week mm-hmm. for UTSA? They're going to be without a few players as they rest up for Conference USA after getting beat up the previous three weeks. Other than an off week, this is about as good as UTSA could hope for because this is a non-district district season for UTSA. Mm-hmm. They were never going to be 2-1 and one or 3-0 and oh coming into this game. They were 1-2 and two was always as good as it was probably going to get. They almost made it 2-1 and one by upsetting Houston. Just get right. Yeah. Just get, get right, right for game. Conference USA. Get healthy. Get your starters out of there. The quicker you're ahead by a lot of points, the quicker you can get your reserves in there, the less chance yep. somebody gets injured. That that's really what this is about this week for UTSA. Yeah, yeah. if you're a, if you're a non UTSA fan, you just, you know, fan of kind of a general college football. Tune in this game. I, I'm we're serious about Andrew Body, right? Yeah, he's he's, a, he's really good. He's a stellar quarterback. He probably should have got a lot more attention coming out of Corpus Christi Miller. Um, that program. There's not a coincidence that they had their best run un- ever under him uh, when he was their quarterback. And he's gonna have a couple plays, right? They're not gonna win. They're not. It's probably not gonna be close. But he's gonna have a couple plays and be like, man, great throw, right? Man, hell of a play. Tune in just to check him out. You never know what could happen. So. Yeah, they put up they put up a lot of points against North Texas. I was about to say they, they didn't look some bad against North he had Texas. Some I mean, of course, good. towards the end, the depth got solid. the best. Considering of them, what, but, yeah, yeah, considering what he took over there at Texas Southern, right? That was an awful program oh, when he yeah. took it over. Yeah. And now they are looking like they are punching up to be a SWAT contender. The so. problem is, is even if Texas Southern scores thirty, right? UTSA can score eighty thousand if they want to against this game. Right? The closer this stays, the longer it stays. Just the more points UTSA puts up on Texas Southern. So that Texas Southern defense, even coming off a shutout's not good mm-hmm. texas had a hard time guarding utsa's wide receivers yeah right? you know there's yeah. just not there's not an fcs team that can yep. no not at all all right let's round it out with texas state hosting houston baptist this saturday at 6 p.m uh ish you can watch it on espn plus yes i will be <laughs> <laughs> speaking of games that came at the right damn time uh <laughs> another get right game. they yeah. need yeah this is definitely a get right game uh houston baptist just is not very good um this should be a game that texas state should pull the starters in the third quarter 
Hopefully. We'll see. I don't know. Last year they lost to an FCS team, so what, who, knows what, who knows what I'm talking about. But also I will say Houston Baptist does not have a Cam Ward, so yeah. I'm very – I'll knock on wood. I'm moderately confident that that won't happen. So, um, but this is a to me this is a game that you want the offense to look good, right? The defense had its show against Baylor a little bit, right? They had their show uh, against FIU. Now it's like the offense has been the one that you know last week had three red zone opportunities, didn't get it done. FIU kind of struggled a little bit. This is the game where the offense gets right, should get right. Run Calvin Hill as much as you need to, right? Maybe pull him. Maybe you don't have to give him 20 carries, but maybe 10. Get him going. Lane Hatcher, this is a confidence game. Get that short passing game going. Get him 25, 30 passes. Good. Boom. We're up 24. We're up 21. Boom. Pull him. You're good to go, right? This would be a flex game. Get right. Get comfortable heading into conference. Yeah, 100%. This is about getting Lane Hatcher more confident with his receivers, more timing down, get a win, get some momentum going into Sunbelt play. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. That rounds it out, guys. Cool. Mike Craven, you are pulling the double this weekend. Ooh, that's I am. so My much. My guy. I am. SMU TCU in the morning, A&M Arkansas at night. Man, you I'm are tired. college football <laughs> all over, man. Oh, I will be on my couch. <laughs> be on I wish you I luck. mean, I'd be watching Jeez. it anyway. No, that's you know, true. That's so true. You might as well be there. Yeah. Jerry World and get some free food. You know, during state, during the high school games, they make you pay for it. So that's true. I'll get over there, get some free food. Um, I've never watched a college game in Jerry World. I never have either. That's a good so, point. Yeah. You know, I, well, I don't I've seen do, like four. So. I don't know. Oh, 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 this guy. Okay. Oh, what's, 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 <laughs> all right. All right. Wow. Okay. Yeah, she's seen like four, guys. So <laughs> You want to be know. the college insider? Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So tune they in next week kids, as Mallory so. sits in this chair. I know, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. A solo show Sunday coming, apparently. Golly. <laughs> make her talk dives. about North Texas. <laughs> well, yeah, it's probably, that's what you guys maybe do every week anyway. So Seth Hennigan set a career high this weekend. <laughs> yeah i'm glad uh i'm glad the sunday recaps we decided not to do video because last <laughs> week i was like i was not i was not in a good great mood talking about that game so yeah, you were pretty mad yeah you were i was mad. i was i was i love the mean green but uh <laughs> man you can't you can't lose like that i thought it was more because the michigan state oh well that thanks that too go great baby and rep in today but uh yeah no that it was because of that too so thanks hopefully we'll have a happier mallory this weekend well, so we'll see well, at I least for know. michigan state i don't know about uh, that we'll, we'll see, see. <laughs> <laughs> okay anyway let's wrap up this show uh thank you guys for watching if you were watching on youtube twitter facebook uh what else were you on twitch i don't know anything on your uh, a track player i don't know i'm just naming things at this point your thank you guys seat. for watching <laughs> we will be back sunday with your audience only remember Spotify, Apple, anywhere you get your podcasts. Be sure to watch out for us. It'll be hopefully around noon, one, two, somewhere before your NFL games start, at least the second half of the NFL games, because we like to watch football too. So with that being said, we have interviewed 12 of the eventual 13 FBS head coaches on this show. Shout out Sam Houston State. Jimbo Fisher, please, please give us a call. Go Rutgers. Robert Sarver, get out.